Hello, and welcome to the Modern Goat Rider podcast. I want to take this opportunity to emphasize the opinions expressed by our hosts and guests are strictly their own and don't represent the positions of any lodge, grand lodge, or other branches of the independent order of Odd Fellows. Our stimulating conversations will be open to the public for purposes of inspiring our global membership and promoting the order. So with that, sit back, open your ears and your heart in your hand and introduce you to our hosts. Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. I'm Billy Sanderson. And I'm Josh Miller. Hey, Josh. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah. Uh, awesome night last night in Victoria. Uh, odd Fellowship. We had an installation on Zoom where the Grand Lodge, most, if not all of the Grand Lodge of British Columbia made it on a Zoom call with 60 participants from three lodges and everybody was installed. It was a moment uh, unlike any other in uh, Odd Fellows Zoom history, I'm going to say. Um, and I was very, uh, I was, it felt really good to see everybody. And I could see, you know, we do zoom meetings all the time and I could see some of the other lodges don't necessarily do zoom meetings, but I think they were inspired by our zoom meetings. So that was great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, it was a first experience for me as uh, meeting number one as uh, vice grand and my new, uh, noble grand, Mike, uh, McLean. Congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. Uh, so just uh, behind the curtains, quick chat. So brother Mike and I had uh, spent a meeting, a, a air quote meeting, uh, a couple of weeks ago to kind of uh, suss out how we wanted to run meetings and agendas and kind of our preparation. And he was so into preparation and he's, you know, he's one of these guys that the more prepared I am, the luckier I get kind of thing. And when you did not start the meeting other than saying we're going to do the installation first i know he was completely put on his back foot it i was know so funny um and uh but he did a great job he pulled it out of the fire i thought yeah you guys did great and um it's you know the first meeting's always uh the toughest and they get easier and easier as it goes um i did just kind of jump straight into the installation because there was a lot of people and i wanted them all to be able to get installed and then if they had to leave the meeting leave the meeting um, I did tell Mike that as soon as he was installed, the meeting was then his. And uh, he said, great. Yep. Yeah. He was thinking, uh, you know, uh, op- you know, halfway through 14, opening <laughs> 15, Mike. No, sorry. I wasn't going to do all the work of that meeting. That was it. I uh, got the installation. I was installed into my the best chair in the room. And that's the uh, junior pass grand chair, which basically means you sit around and you can do whatever you want and chirp in whenever you want. And uh, then left it to you guys, and you did a great job. Well, thanks. So today we have uh, been put in touch with a brother in the Philadelphia area. Uh, we'll we'll let him in his interview kind of give all the the background and details on it. Uh, but uh, brother Justin Bailey uh, connected us to uh, our guest, our guest Ron Boyle. I'll reveal his name, and um, we're gonna just. Uh, we're going to let the interview explain what we're talking about today. Does that sound yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. It's just something that I think uh, it's on the minds of a few people. 
And uh, it's just one of those things that I wanted to cover as soon as possible. So uh, I hope you like it. Yeah. So we'll let the interview run here with uh, Josh, myself and Ron. And then Josh and I'll be back to uh, debrief and uh, wrap her up at the end. So enjoy. Thanks. So we're sitting down today with uh, Ron Boyle, who we were introduced to by Justin Bailey at the uh, Grand Lodge of Pennsylvania. How are you doing today, Ron? Good. It's Great. a little cold here. It's about 32, 33, but other than that, I'm not complaining. So Ron, why don't you tell us about uh, getting into Oddfellows? All right. Well, uh, I joined uh, uh, back in 1976 with the help of uh, a former uh, Oddfellow, uh, Paul Cook. He has since passed away. Um, but uh, I've been an Oddfellow for more than 45 years. Um, really enjoyed it. I am now a trustee of the lodge and um, really enjoy. We, we, we did have a big program. Unfortunately, uh, we, when I started, we probably had about 300 members. Right now, we probably have about 85. We have lost, lost a lot of people and have tried to get people in uh, to you know, join the lodge and be active in the lodge. That's, you know, people join and then, you know, they, they, they go away. They, you know, look, oh, you mean we, we, as a matter of fact, we even, we start, we, when I first joined, we used to meet every Monday night. Uh, now we're at uh, two meetings a month. We do the second and fourth Monday of each month. And uh, to be honest with you, of the 80 some members, we usually have about 15 or 16 uh, solid people that come in and, and join and participate in the, uh, in the meeting. We're in Philadelphia, so we have been, we're not allowed to meet at this point in time. Um, they have closed the meetings down. So uh, that, that is a problem. And, uh, but we've, we really don't have that much business to discuss. Um, the lodge is probably one of the oldest lodges in the country. It's been in existence since 1848 and uh, has a long history uh, of uh, Odd Fellowship. Uh, and uh, we, we, uh, we, do, we do a lot of charity. We probably give away about um, 30, around $30,000 a year in charitable contributions. Uh, and uh, we, do, we have an educational loan program and we also have a mortgage program, but we're, we're trying to get out of the mortgage programs. The old days, uh, a mortgage, you know, would, would be, a big mortgage would be around $30,000. Now a mortgage is around 250, 260. And uh, it's a lot of liability. You can, you can run a lot of liability. So we try to limit our liability on that. But we're very active. We were very active in the, uh, Pilgrimage for Youth program until that until that stopped uh, until that stopped a couple of years ago, and but we we do we have a lot of members that are also members of other groups that do a lot of charity work. Uh, one of the charity uh, works uh, uh, other lot. It's not a lodge. It's it's their organization. It's called La Familia, and they do a lot of work with. Uh, uh, making sandwiches for the uh, veterans. Uh, we also do uh, 
two of our two of our members are very active and it. it's called angels angels for christmas i believe that's the name of the program and they they do a lot of charity work giving away toys at christmas time and meals and so forth so uh, we're very proud of these fellows uh, they they joined us and and we're very proud of them uh, so they they do a lot of good work fantastic ron you, sounds like your um your lodge is uh does a lot of great work what's the name of your lodge walker lodge number 306 and uh, what position are you currently holding in this lodge i'm a, I'm a trustee fantastic um and i guess the the meat of the the meat of this show uh we're doing a bit of a theme it's alcohol in your lodge but the one thing you didn't mention is you have a dry lodge that is correct so tell us a little bit about how that came about well it's really in our bylaws that the alcohol is not permitted in the lodge uh now i will say that up to about i'm going to say we originally were in a section of of Philadelphia called Germantown. And uh, it got a little rough there. And we, we moved, actually the lodge is probably about 10 minutes from my house right now. And um, one of the things that we, we, when we relocated, this originally was a, an after hours club, uh, which the neighbors took exception to. And it, it I, I can't tell you when it closed down, but we did not purchase the uh, the land and the building until we uh, we moved in in 2000. And one of the things that we assured the um, local, and I'm, I'm part of that local, it's called the Summer and Civic Association, was that we, we did not permit alcohol. We, don't, we do not rent our lodge out. Uh, and believe me, we have people knocking on the door all the time wanting, you know, catering businesses knocking on the door saying we want to come in and the first thing I say oh that's great but you can't have any alcohol and that you know uh, that turns them off so uh, they're then they become not interested Um, I think it's a good program I I really don't uh, as a trustee of the lodge uh, uh, I don't want the responsibility of having somebody uh, let's say uh, we had an affair and somebody had a little bit too much drink and had an accident later. Um, unfortunately, you know, uh, they go after the big bucks and, uh, and, and we do have some of those. So uh, th- that's, that's one of the reasons. If what we do right now is we'll go out to a catering hall, a local catering hall and have our Christmas dinner or anniversary dinners, whatever kind of dinners that we have. And uh, we have, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a, usually a cash bar. And then that's up to the responsibility of the catering hall to monitor, um, you know, who, who they're serving and, and, um, and, and, and uh, what condition the people are. Uh, we don't, <clears throat> you know, we have a lot of older members. Uh, myself, I'm 77 years old. I, I personally, I do not, I, I'm gonna say, I, I can't say I don't drink. And uh, I, I, again, I, as a trustee of the lodge, I do not want the responsibility. And I, I'm kind of, it's, I'm kind of happy that it's in our bylaws. Uh, and uh, we, we haven't had too much push on that. We did, um, I will admit to uh, Christmas dinners, they used to have, we, we used to have the dinner catered. 
and then they would bring in a, a the the couple of the members would have a like a cash bar where people could uh, you know buy uh, beer and alcohol and um, we had a couple incidents where you know it, before the meeting uh, it's a Christmas time and you know and they come in kind of tanked up they, uh, they come no. in tanked up they come okay they come in tanked up and 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 there was some business to discuss and they had you know some personal issues that should not have been brought up on the live show. And uh, one of our members, uh, uh, a, a man who uh, he has since passed away, Joe Jolly, he really stood up and said, "Look, that's it for that's it for alcohol." He said that you know we did it once a year, we're not doing it anymore, and we haven't done it. Uh, we, we've, like I said, we've gone out to the catering halls, and uh, that's that's one of the one of the things. But um, I'm I'm happy that we don't have the alcohol in the lodge and it's it's a lot easier on you know everybody great so ron i've just got a few questions sure uh first off um who's the oh the youngest member of your lodge right now wow or what <laughs> age group do you know do you have any people who are in their 40s oh yeah we do we do do they uh, show up to lodge meetings we probably have about two people in their forties to come to the lodge meeting. Okay. And, um, how has been, how has recruiting been for your lodge? Um, uh, pretty, pretty, 10 years? pretty tough. We, as a matter of fact, we have two members, um, uh, not, not members yet, but two, two people that we want to get into the lodge, but we have not been able to have uh, any meetings to have the, you know, the uh, ritual and so forth. And uh, one one currently is probably about uh, 21. Uh, I'm going to say 21, 22 years old. He's he's away at school, so we tried we tried to get him in, but then the COVID thing hit in March, and, and uh, we haven't had any. I think the last scheduled meeting that we had was uh, okay. We had a Zoom meeting in uh, at the end of December. And, and that's all that's all we've been able to do. Uh, I, I have to say this, my I have my my two daughters are members of the lodge. Uh, and they're one one is just uh, turned 50 and the other uh, Colleen is turning turning 40. And unfortunately, they they don't participate that much either. I try to get them. But understand this, my youngest daughter has four boys and um, my, my uh, older daughter has uh, win a girl. So Ron, I'm um, just getting back to the lodge. Just, uh, yeah. uh, do you, you can see where I might be going with this, but do you feel that your attitude towards alcohol hinders, um, the attendance of your lodge or your, uh, recruiting? Um, no, 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 no. So you don't feel that younger members might enjoy a more social, um, mm. experience with, within odd fellowship. And that's and possibly why they aren't going to meetings um, now, or aren't joining. Now, it's it's um, um, I, I just think it's they they have so much to do. These younger, younger guys, and especially if they have families that, uh, you know, the lodge is the last thing, you know, to say, 
look, we're going to have a meeting on Monday night. So it's uh, we we did we have an active program where we try to get people in, and uh, I don't think the alcohol is the problem. We have a lot of other benefits that you know. Uh, uh, we always have a meal uh, before the meeting, and we have uh, um, trips. Uh, we do a trip to the uh, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Uh, we used to do a lot of uh, initiation work, but we, again, we do, don't have the members. We used to be one of the biggest lodges in Pennsylvania. We, we, we went out to Hawaii, we went to California, and but now uh, what we're trying to do, and this is all the lodges in Pennsylvania, we're trying to get other lodges to, to do a uh, like an, an initiation team where, you know, three or four members would uh, bond together with, you know, four or five other lodges and get together and do initiations. Um, as a matter of fact, my neighbor, that's what he went up to uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. He did all four degrees in, in one day, um, you know, and that, you know, they had like a rally and they would do four degrees in one day. We have three, let's see, we have uh, Variety Lodge meets with us, Mystic Lodge meets at our place, and uh, there's another lodge. And they have very few members. As a matter of fact, they're one, uh, they're kind of revitalizing it. It's called Distant. And I think they have about 10 members. And, um, uh, you know, they, they are, are having the same problem with getting members. They're trying to look, what they're trying to do is it's trying to get a, a you know, a local meeting place. And a lot of these places are closing down. One of the, one of the lodges, this, I think it was Mystic or Perseverance. They used to meet at uh, an American Legion bar. And uh, they, the, <laughs> they used to meet on the second floor. Well, let me tell you something. That second floor was a tough climb for the, for the age of the members that are in that lodge. And they, they have since moved to Walker where they can just walk in the door and they don't have to worry about any steps. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I, that's just as a trustee, I'm very concerned about, and there's a big liability um, in uh, Pennsylvania that, and New Jersey that, you know, if you, if you have an affair and you, uh, you serve alcohol, your, your responsibility doesn't end. It uh, you know even even though you know you've taken all of, all the things into consideration, making sure they're either got to drive ride home or they're had too much to drink and you're not serving anymore, that um, it it still comes back on you. And I, I would assume that now our insurance for our building is about sixty seven hundred dollars a year. But if I if I went and said okay we're going to serve alcohol, I doubt very much that we could get. Uh, it would be very difficult to get insurance or yeah. it'd be very, it would be very costly. Yeah, Ron, that uh, responsibility and liability is a very good point on the topic. And uh, uh, I do not know any of the lodge holes around here that serve alcohol. Okay. Uh, I, and, and they don't, we're fortunate. We own, we own the building that we're in. Okay. Um, and the other fortunate, most fortunate thing is the fact that we, we are financially, we don't really have any fundraising events, okay? Um, 
our our fundraising uh, consists of our investments, and uh, we we don't we really. Uh, in other words, uh, if if we if we do something, uh, we'll give it the visual eye research or or something like that, a nominal fee. But we don't, you know, it's it's something that uh, like um, I think that they had a they they have a Halloween party, and uh, all the money that they generated uh, for the Halloween party was donated to autism. Okay. And then we would match if they made money, if they, let's say they made a $500 or a thousand dollars, we would match that so that they had a $2,000 contribution. So just as a piece of information for you, um, our lodge, we can generate $20,000 a night by having an event that has alcohol sales in it as well. So, wow. You know, so, and that goes to all to charity, 100%. Now our lodge is, um, you know, we have money and we donate a lot, but we also have energy and the ability to generate even more funds from the community by doing events. And those events have to be something that people really want to go out and do. And I'm not saying that alcohol is the only thing, but it is a component. And it's something that also really generates a lot of interest in the community and joining our lodge. So on average, we, Columbia Lodge number two of Victoria, BC, uh, we initiate over 10 members a year, every year, with an average age, um, usually between 30 and 40 years old. So um, our lodge is growing. Uh, We have attendance of at least 40 members at every meeting. And... um, and yeah, there's a little bit of drinking in the beforehand and a little bit of drinking after. Mm-hmm. And uh, we find that that social component is what really makes people want to come to lodge. Because if you're not creating events and you're not being that, you know, there's no social component, it's really hard to get people to get out of the house. Because we, you know, we have uh, young men who are family uh, driven, you know, and they come in and out of lodge, but they really want to come and be part of something and uh, join with their brothers okay. in, uh, in not only doing business for the community, but taking care of each other and, uh, and being social. So that's just our experience or that's my experience. Wow. That's, so, that's, yeah. it's just one of those things. And it's, um, okay. you know, I would never have a problem with a dry lodge. I would just worry that that lodge is not going to change. And it's, it's going to die. Uh, people will stop coming. It won't be relevant to a younger group. And it, it's just one of those things where um, a lot of our order would rather see their lodge die than their lodge evolve. And that's just, that's just my, that's just my uh, opinion. Okay. I, 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 I mean, that, what you generate, like I said, you can generate twenty thousand dollars. How how big? What what kind of affairs do, do you have? Or is well, it catering? Are, are or, kind of, yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah. It's we have a we do have a charity poker tournament where no money is involved, but the ticket sales are high. Um, we've done um, disc golf tournaments um, that involve you know corporate sponsorship as well as ticket sales. 
Um, okay. And so, you know, it's just there's it's just uh, we have a large um, hall and it's beautiful and people um, are attracted to the experiences that we can uh, provide um, okay. with that hall. And yeah, we have insurance. <laughs> we have a okay. lot. of insurance. Uh, all, right. <laughs> all right. OK, wow. I, that's that's impressive. I uh, I never thought I, I, I'd have to I'd have to talk to the members, but I know that would. That would involve changing our bylaws. Yes, of course. And I that's not what I'm that's not what I'm yeah. proposing for you at all. Only yeah. that only yeah. that just that there is another way to do it and that um, you know, we see a lot of involvement from our members and a lot of attraction. We have a tiny city, okay, hundred thousand people. We have three lodges of over forty members, um, two of them over eighty, um, all in our tiny little town. And Odd Fellowship is a huge part of our city because the city sees what we do. And it's, it is fun and it is doing good, right? And that's always what I preach within that's, Odd Fellowship. Well, we do the good. Um, and and we're, in a, we're in a big, Philadelphia is probably fifth or sixth largest city in the, in the country, in the United States. We, we have gone out. We have tried different things in in the community and um it, it's it just it just seems to be that you know i mean we as a matter of fact we we, we had the purpose of bringing in like the 50 plus club and we said to them now and again we're talking seniors now we're talking to them and saying you know are you willing to join we had very few people come in you know hey ron um we're going to probably wrap it up because um, we, we don't do a long show and we want to get some good quality stuff of okay. uh, your, your uh, interview here. But first of all, uh, thank you very much. 45 years of service for Odd Fellows. That's great. And Amazing. I know your lodge, is, you. yeah, yeah. your lodge is probably pretty happy that you're uh, in a role of trustee. We hope we can, yeah. uh, you know, uh, see your lodge grow and, uh, and that uh, people who are listening. They might be, in the Philadelphia area, always could check out Walker Lodge. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Ron. No, and thank you. I, I, Josh and Billy and Deb, I really, I, I, I'm happy about this, uh, that we can do this. You know, you're uh, many thousands of miles away. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, this is really an accomplishment of, you know, this technology that we can all meet and, and uh, talk about the, uh, problems that we have but i'm willing to talk anytime you want you know uh, i'm i'm willing to talk about it see what uh, you, you want to do great all right thanks Ron. have a great thanks day so much ron all right you too all Take right care. have a Bye. safe be just be safe and be healthy that's you all too. you too ron all right. that's all right, right sir bye-bye bye So as we've heard, we, uh, we we got to meet a lod a member of a lodge who is uh, sticking by their bylaws uh, that uh, that alcohol's not permitted on the premises uh, for a number of reasons, and so we want to kind of just 
expand on that. And uh, there's a few things, Josh, you know, that, that are pretty clear, right? Like right. responsibility and liability is extremely big, important part of this. Absolutely. Um, you own a lodge hall, you have, I don't know, 250,000 in the bank, uh, and you decide to throw a party and you don't prepare with insurance or you don't prepare with uh, the right type of serving requirements. Uh, you know, you get, you get busted for selling alcohol when you shouldn't, there's a fine. You get sued because you sent somebody home, you let them get into their car and they're way over the limit. Um, and, and as Ron points out, lawsuits look for money. And especially if you have liability insurance, which uh, every hall should, if they are hosting any kind of events, uh, then you're protected with the insurance. And, you know, their bylaws are one thing, right? You can change bylaws if you really wanted to, if they were, if they were so inclined. You would change bylaws, uh, but you would, by the sounds of things, you would, you would need a pretty compelling argument and um, direction change, a strategy change. I mean, it, to be both positive on what we just listened to with Ron uh, and, you know, I will be open kimono. Uh, we edited a lot down. Um, we ended up, we did speak to Ron for nearly an hour um, and we covered all kinds of stuff. Uh, but the focus on the conversation today is that what is a fear of, of one type of lodge is if properly measured and properly managed, it is a big difference in the, um, the amount of either uh, social and fellowship or the amount of charity that can be driven. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the lodge is a, is, is a reflection of its members. So, you know, no one's telling anybody to change. But absolutely, the fear of one lodge could be the strength of another. And it really depends on who's in that lodge. And what they want to see from from their their group and what right. they want they what how they want to participate and you know what that looks like and, and we're uh, not here uh, modern goat rider isn't here telling somebody you know thou shalt change or die um what you need to do is is look in the mirror um when you're saying i'm having trouble bringing out members because they have so many things going on that's totally true um odd fellowship is a offer it is it is a product it is something that people get value out of so you have a kitchen sink uh it has a heck of a lot of utility um but you know you can do a lot with your kitchen sink you can wash the dog you can wash your dishes you can clean your shoes you can uh do all the things you need to do. There's value from that kitchen sink. And I don't want to sound crazy to equate odd fellowship experience to a kitchen sink, but the mindset that to get members out, we need to have a value of what we can deliver to them. And if it is not a tight enticing and exciting or a purposeful uh, per a reason to come to a meeting, and not saying alcohol is what it's all about. I'm just saying there's components to your meeting that you might be missing or that you might take advantage of to get more than 15 members out. I think what you're saying is you need everything and the kitchen sink 
you know, to get your members out, right? I mean, like you need to have a lot of different things going on and a lot of options for people to participate or reasons for them to participate, whether it's for charity work or for um, bettering themselves or for the social aspect of getting together with like-minded people and trying to move forward with, with anything. Right. Um, so, so yeah. let's talk about our lodge a little bit then and our, sure. our group of lodges. So uh, we have events. We have big events. We have small events. We have dry events. We have uh, events where there's, uh, you know, an intention of supplying alcohol, alcohol. to generate <laughs> alcohol centric. <laughs> yeah, alcohol centric. But the the point is, we we know we're going to make five dollars a drink uh, profit as opposed uh, to five dollars on the dinner, right. kind of thing. Yeah, and we've also attracted, um, you know, a large uh, group of what I'm say hospitality people who know a lot about beverages, and um, yeah, some t- some of the events are kind of focused around a scotch tasting or a uh, you know a certain kind of uh, alcoholic beverage. Right. So if if we were if we were to to flip the switch the yes. the switch and say okay we need to get out of this. Uh, we have a party and we get new members come in because they were at this party and they thought it was really cool. And holy smokes, you guys raised $30,000 in, uh, you know, in five hours. Amazing. Um, a ton of work went into it, but you still raise that. And if we're attracting people on that, so let's say we want to flip the switch and we want to go the opposite direction, then you would be going and looking at clubs or associations or events that did not cater to that at all. Right. Yeah. Cards. I, mean, I, I don't, again, this is yeah. a really touchy subject for oh, me okay. because I don't want to sound like we're. Uh, no, we're you don't need alcohol okay. to have a successful lodge. I'm not, I'm not saying that. And I want to go on the record and saying that, we, you know, we've had uh, members who have distanced themselves um, from our lodge because of the alcohol. So that's, you know, that needs to be understood that there are people who, have a problem with a substance and this group uh, perhaps, you know, uses that substance and, you know, they're unable to uh, attend anymore. And that's sad too. That's really sad. And maybe it was a sign of the times. Maybe it was that every event or everything that was being done uh, had a component of the bar being open. And as your lodge grows, uh, you can be less fearful of it always being about the the bar being open um there's been more events i've seen that happen at the lodge prior to 2020 uh where there was no alcohol served there were things going on you know you could be on a committee no one's drinking at the committee meeting. uh you can be on the finance team and or the trustees and really focus on you know making the lodge exist way into the future there's yeah. no alcohol being drank. There. I mean, I'd also like to go on the record and say that, you know, if there's one aspect of your lodge that you don't agree with, that doesn't mean that you can't be part of the lodge anymore, you know, and that's, totally. and that's something that I don't like seeing um, people making excuses, whether it's one thing or another, um, you know, for reasons why they can't participate. And it's just not true. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about history. So my favorite we... subject is learning history with Billy. <laughs> History, Tell me about alcohol and odd fellowship well, over the years. Well, it's a modern goat rider version of history. Um, anybody ever seen drunk history? It's not quite that. 
but uh, it's close. Uh, I did a little bit of research and uh, Josh, you know, uh, early on, um, the very first Oddfellows Hall, in, uh, well, I guess meeting place in North America was where? In a pub? In a pub. In, do you know the name of the pub? No, I'm sorry. This is what I Seven have. Seven Stars for. Tavern. Of course. Of course. I knew that. I did know that. Uh, so uh, I've pulled out uh, my resource book that I've used in the past, but never really quoted. Uh, and this is Oddfellows Rediscovering More Than 200 Years of History, Tradition, and Community Service by Brother Louis. Uh, and what I found in here is uh, Louis did a great job of talking about the early building of the lodge and it being around places of community center, which for men in the 1800s was usually a tavern. I'll quote him. It must be noted that there was still no clear distinction between fraternal organizations and friendly societies before the 19th century. In fact, the early odd fellows also functioned as social clubs that held their meetings in pubs or taverns. Conviviality, I think I said that right, uh, which is friendly and lively, was a very common habit in those days. Along with the purpose of giving relief to each other's times of needs, jolly practices were another objective in almost all associations and gathering of men everywhere in England. So we know it's baked into the fraternal social aspect of our order. Yes. Then, you know, it kind of goes along for quite some time. And then uh, there are lodges, and I'll get to those in a moment, that do this well before the temperance movement. Right. But again, Louis does uh, a section on the temperance movement. And if you do own this book, have a look, uh, because <laughs> you have a claim to fame for Columbia Lodge and the Victoria Lodges here. Uh, in his chapter called Signs of Recovery, the first photo you see is of our Lodge Hall. And the uh, uh, presentation of what looks like one of the degrees. Uh, in this section, Louis talks about the temperance movement that is uh, mid, early, mid 1800s. Um, you turn the page and then you see our lovely uh, brother, Scott Aitchison uh, standing at the bar and then a group of brothers from Columbia too having their Christmas party. So- Lots of, lots of uh, frivolity or- um... <laughs> What yeah, was lots of frivolity, friendly, lively behavior. Right. Uh, the, you know, the last thing I wanted to mention is uh, I had another book here. This is kind of a cool book. This is uh, Concise History of Odd Fellowship, the revised edition by Jay Powley. I don't know. It's from the 50s. Anyways, one of the things in it is incidents of chronology uh, sorry, incidents of note, I guess, in Oddfellows history. Um, and one of the things here is the bylaws of Washington Lodge number one, uh, Thomas Wildey's Lodge, and noted in here, any brother entering the lodge in a state of intoxication, he shall, for his first offense, be fined the sum of $1, and for the second, $2, and for the third, he shall be reported to the Committee of Past Grands, and he shall suffer as they think proper. Well, I can so, get behind that. I can get behind that. I don't want to see anybody come into lodge drunk already. Uh, so that's like baked in. So they they saw what Brother Ron was talking about there. 
Mm -hmm. And then in 1895, which uh, came as part of the constitution of the Sovereign Grand Lodge, was amended by adding the following, no saloon keeper, bartender, or professional gambler shall be eligible to membership of this order. Right. What year was that? 1895. And uh, in the city of Victoria, the two lodges had at least 15 members, um, could guess even more, that were either tavern managers, tavern owners, uh, or uh, brewers. We had uh, three of the city's largest brewers were uh, odd fellows in the 1890s. In Victoria. We had a lot of beer. We had a lot of taverns. We had a lot of... um, a lot of tavern keepers who are odd fellows. Yeah, and if and if you think about the history back then in 1870s and 1890s, like we're still rolling through people on a yeah, gold rush time. Gold rush days, right? So they're rolling into town, they're odd fellows from other uh jurisdictions and um yeah, they're they're stopping because their steamship or their uh their ho- horse ride up to the uh Klondike uh doesn't leave for a few days. So they hit a bar. They hit a bar. And then, and what do they do? They look for an odd fellow. They present their sign and mm-hmm. look for another odd fellow. And then they find one and they know they've got a friend. Exactly. So when it comes to, you know, social before and after a meeting, it's, uh, it's very much important to, I think every lodge we've ever talked to has, uh, you know, talked about the social fraternal perspective of the order is so important. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many, um, well, I wonder, you know, in Ron's Lodge, uh, you know, what do they do before a meeting? And what do they do after? And I wonder if, you know, if people, <laughs> and he talks about young people coming to two or three meetings, and then they never see him again. And I, I'm not saying that's the reason, but, you know, you got it. There's got to be something other than just doing business, um, doling out $300 a week. They're doing what I've heard of a lodge in our jurisdiction does, which is it is a lodge of five people. And so they have quorum. They meet uh, on a, not a monthly basis. Uh, they decide what they're doing with the interest check that they have on their um, high six figure bank account. Um, and, uh, and that's their meeting. They, right. they come in, they decide what they're going to do. Um, they're, they're, they're not advancing their lodge in any way other than um, making sure that it still gives back to the community, which is still important. Right. And in 20 years, they'll be gone. In 20 years, that money will have flown, uh, uh, flowed to Grand Lodge. Right. Their, so their lodge will be gone. That money will be in, in a big kitty for the, for the jurisdiction. And uh, we've lost another lodge because they there's no there's no want or desire to evolve or to I'm not I don't, I don't want to say evolve that's the wrong word it's just to put in the energy to keep that uh, keep that lodge going keep it uh, relevant I don't know so how do you feel are you motivated are you concerned do you have I have concerns absolutely introspection of yeah. uh, of your lodge? Yes, my lodge. Okay, so you know what? Yes, there are. I, I have concerns when I hear that um, you know one member, two members decide they can't they can't be part of this group because of uh, the alcohol. Um, but I also, you know, I 
I have so much hope for our lodge and I don't worry about our lodge dying because I know that we attract people every single day, you know, whether it's in COVID or not, you know, people want to be part of our group. They see what we do. They see the, the excitement that we have, the fun that we have. I mean, we just had an installation last night with our three lodges. We had 60, almost 70 people on a Zoom call uh, installing new administrations for three lodges in Victoria. And I've never been more hopeful. You know, I saw these people and they were excited about a Zoom call, <laughs> you know, and that that means Odd Fellowship is alive and well in my in my my area. And I think we do it right because we give we give everybody the opportunity and we give everybody uh, the chance to find the experience that they're looking for within this order. So, yes, I do worry sometimes, but, um, you know, for every lodge out there that, uh, you know, enjoys themselves. And if that includes alcohol, you know, I had I don't I could never say that that's a negative thing for me. What about you? Yeah, I I've said a few things there that. I get a lot out of the order that has nothing to do with alcohol. This is one of them. Uh, but the other thing is when I hear that somebody says, um, oh, Steve won't join because he says there's uh, too much drinking. And I, I, I get a sense of uh, defensiveness, I guess, in a way. And I, and I say, oh, you don't have to worry about that, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I don't know Steve's situation. Steve might be a person who is recovering and can manage having, you know, a, a person or a friend having a beer in a backyard scenario or something like that. But being at an event where there's a hundred people and, um, and there's a bar that might be a challenge for Steve. Yeah, or even 40 people at a meeting. Or even 40 people at a meeting beforehand and after. So Exactly. And and I think there's there's no shame in a member deciding, I'm just going to turn it in. <laughs> I've been here already. It's 9 o'clock at night. Uh, the meeting's just ended. I'm just going to turn it in. On, yeah, on happens all the night. time. Happens all the time. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's... Um, I think there are aspects of odd fellowship. I want everyone to experience um, and alcohol is not necessarily one of them. <laughs> it's uh, it's the, the friendship. And unfortunately uh, for some matters, you have to have a compelling reason to come out. And if that is to, to gather around friends uh, around a bar um, or uh, you know, one person drinking iced tea and one person drinking a lager. Um, we have to sort of look at it and accept it and, and know what benefits it's bringing us and what benefit or sorry, what costs it's take, giving to uh, taking from us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think right now for our group specifically, and that's the, that's what I've got to say too, is that every group is different, but for our group specifically, um, the benefits far outweigh the costs and um but, you know, at the same time, you know, we haven't had a meeting in nine months where we sat around and drank beer, um, but we're still showing up at Zoom, you know, so it can't be just about the beer. We're not Good just point. a party lodge, right? Good point. So let's, uh, let's just turn uh, quickly for some housekeeping. Yeah. Uh, we did get some more email. Yes, we did. I from 
Yeah, from our friend of the show who hasn't been on the show yet, but has been mentioned a couple of times, Brother Justin Bailey uh, sent us a beautiful long email about uh, encampment. So he is uh, he is jumping on the vibe, the Josh Miller encampment vibe that is getting pushed out hard on the airways. Yes. I can't believe I'm loving encampment as much as I, I am. And I'm not even... We haven't even done it yet, but I'm very excited. Do you want to read that or do you want me to read that? Well, if you see something there out of there, I, it's a pretty long email. I can't even find it right now. So. Oh. Yeah, we don't have to read it. We could just, well, it's not that long. So Justin says, cheers, brothers. Uh, Justin Bailey here from Pennsylvania. I'm 36 years old. And, a, and this past September, I celebrated 20 years as an odd fellow. In November, I celebrated 20 years as a patriarch of the Scott encampment number 132. Seems in the last podcast that you're interested in starting up an encampment, and I would strongly urge you to do this. It's not only a great way to learn more about what Odd Fellowship is about, but a once a month way to meet with other lodges in Victoria or wherever to network and set up bigger events. Encampment works when you have an area of several lodges. That was held in those times twice a month and was a different group than starting at the same regular lodge, staring at the same regular lodge faces week after week. Encampment started failing when the lodges started dropping off. And instead of seeing a different group of people on a monthly basis, it was your same lodge brothers or sisters in now just another meeting. With your hall having three lodges meeting in it, it is the perfect way to have a strong encampment. And it goes on to uh, talk about how awesome the degrees are. And, um, yeah, thank you, Justin. We are, I appreciate all the well wishes regarding encampment. And uh, now that I've passed the reins of uh, Noble Grand of Columbia Lodge number two, um, it is my desire to create uh, an encampment uh, within the Victoria Lodges. So uh, stay tuned and we'll let you know. We've got several. Was it, Toby Hansen has uh, reached out and given us some examples of where I've got to find I'm looking for some members who are currently have a Victoria encampment and if they're still alive, but um, uh, I'll let you know how that goes. So is that good with you, Josh? Yes, that's great with me. Okay. So that'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. And thanks to brother Ron Boyle in Pennsylvania. Hey, our mailbox is empty right now. So send us a message to info at modern or check us out on Facebook. If you like our show, please leave us, a review where you downloaded this podcast. Josh and I'll be back again soon with another episode making Oddfellows discoveries and seeing the Oddfellowship all around us. Cheers in FLT. Cheers. <laughs>